A new year, prepare to stand firm. That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. I want to thank you for joining us on this first program of the year. We're going to discuss a new year and our need to prepare to stand firm. Now, for anyone who thought a change of calendar year would somehow alter the stressful trajectory we've been seeing in America for about the last mm, almost 12 months, this past week would have been a very rude reality check. First, the two senatorial runoff elections in Georgia were won by two leftist Democrat candidates, giving Democrats control of not only the U.S. House now, the U.S. House of Representatives, and also the presidency. So you can count on at least the next two years, unless something changes in an election two years from now, being an all-out imposition of ungodly policies and even persecution in this country for anyone who would go against this new regime. Now, the very next day on January 6th, after that senatorial runoff election, huge pro-Trump rallies with tens of thousands of people were held in Washington, D.C. to urge Congress not to certify the 2020 presidential election due to allegations of voting fraud that led to Joe Biden becoming president-elect. Well, that didn't go very well. Things devolved when protesters breached the Capitol building, shutting down the electoral college proceedings, which was taking place in Congress that day. One woman sadly died of a gunshot wound wound during all the, the mayhem. So today in the Christian worldview, we're going to examine this momentous week. And then we'll also, what we're going to get to is try to seek to, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and in his word for whatever is going to be coming our way this year. Before we get to any of that, though, I just want to thank you uh, for those listeners out there that generously supported the Christian worldview, uh, not only this last year, but at the end of last year. That's an important time for us. And we were just, we're just continue to be taken back and, and overwhelmed by the, the generosity, uh, not only financially, but just the encouragement, the notes and, and so forth that we receive that, that really comes from all over the country. We should be motivated to do all that we do, no matter what you do in life, for the glory of God, whether we hear from anyone or not. But let me just say this, that encouragement of listeners and your support only adds to the the motivation to keep on keeping on, to keep on standing firm in Him and getting out and trying to bring a Christian worldview to bear on the issues of our day. So just wanted to start off the year by saying a big thank you from the Christian worldview to you. Now, let's get to this momentous week. As I mentioned, there were two big stories this past week, the Georgia Senate elections that gave Democrats a majority in the Senate, the House, and the presidency, so they control all branches of government except for the U.S. Supreme Court, but just wait and see on that one. And also, of course, the January 6th at rallies that turned into, a, I guess, what you could only describe as an invasion of the U.S. Capitol building. These Georgia Senate runoff elections, which really should never take place because both Republicans had already won their respective races back in November. Uh, David Perdue and and, um, Kelly Loeffler had won their respective races against both Democrats. But the rule in Georgia is that the winner has to have over 50% of the vote, and they were just under that. So there had to be a runoff election. 
And in the runoff election, the results exactly flipped. This time, both Democrats won narrow margins over the Republicans, which, of course, gave now gave the Democrats a majority, or it's a 50-50 split in the U.S. Senate, but that tie will be broken uh, by Vice President, the new upcoming Vice President, Kamala Harris. Now, it's hard to believe when you know the worldview of people like uh, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, the two Democrat candidates in, in Georgia, when you know their worldview, they have such leftist worldviews, it's really hard to believe that people will vote for this really leftist radical ideology, but indeed... They did, and they defeated David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. Now, if you don't know Raphael Warnock, he is well known as the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. I believe this is the same church where Martin Luther King served, at least for a time, as pastor. Now, he he would be nothing close to orthodox in terms of biblical Christianity. He's into black liberation theology and social justice, and his views are very socialistic. He's actually for abortion and so forth. And as I mentioned, this gives Democrats control of now the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, and the presidency. And if you had told me less than a year ago that complete power, political power in this country— would be in the hands of a party that resembles much more of a socialist Marxist worldview about 11, 12 months ago, if you had told me this, I don't think I would have believed you the way things were going well for Trump and, and so forth. The left was constantly attacking him, but things were going so well in the country and the economy and otherwise. So there was that incident this week uh, in the, the runoff election in Georgia. But then... That only lasted for about uh, just overnight because the next morning, so it would have been Wednesday morning, that was the day, January 6th, that U.S. Congress was going to convene to give certification for the Electoral College. And this is when the states send their electors to Congress to certify who they voted for for president from their individual states. Now, this day, there is also going to be huge pro-Trump rallies in Washington objecting to what they believe was the stealing of the election. This date, January 6th, had been on everyone's calendar. This is the date where things are going to be released and show there was a huge fraud taking place. And, and this is when the election potentially could be overturned. This is what we have been told by conservative sites. And of course, liberals were saying this is ridiculous this is an exercise in futility. Uh, the election was the fairest election in history and Joe Biden's the next president. So just everyone go home. So no one knew what was going to take place uh, on Wednesday, January uh, 6th. But no one certainly could have anticipated what actually did happen. And so Donald Trump spoke at that rally. And there were tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people, Trump supporters, in Washington, D.C. And during his speech, uh, which we have, by the way, linked at thechristianworldview.org, which I think is important to, to hear or read. There's a transcript there of the speech as well. Trump laid out dozens of examples of voting irregularities and fraud that took place, according to his perspective, from each of the the battleground states that were the states that allowed Joe Biden to become president. And then at the end of the speech, he encouraged people to to march to the Capitol. And so I'm going to play just a bit of audio from his speech at that rally where he, he calls on Vice President Pence, who is going to be presiding over the Senate that day, to 
ask or to demand that the states recertify the election, go back and examine their electors, because according to Trump, you believe there was so much fraud that Pence couldn't in good conscience as the head of the Senate certify these electors coming to Washington, D.C. So he first puts pressure on Pence to do that. And I'm just going to give you one example of the allegations of fraud that he made against the state of Pennsylvania, what took place there. He went through all different other states like Nevada and Arizona and other states, Georgia and so forth. I don't have time to play all of that, but I want to give you a sense of what the kind of allegations that the president believes were set against him in the election in November of 2020. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All he has to do, all in, this is, this is from the number one or certainly one of the top constitutional lawyers in our country. He has the absolute right to do it. We're supposed to protect our country, support our country, support our Constitution and protect our Constitution. States want to revote. The states got defrauded. They were given false information. They voted on it. Now they want to recertify. They want it back. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify. And we become president, and you are the happiest people. Okay, so that was President Trump really twisting the arm of Vice President Pence to not certify the election. Now, he, you notice early in the soundbite that he referenced that he had, Trump had spoken to one of the, quote, top constitutional attorneys in the country and said this was totally constitutional for, for Pence to, to do this, not to certify the election. Well, according to Pence, who would decide that it wasn't constitutional for him to be able to do that, he chose not to do that, which I'm sure has totally alienated that relationship. So unbelievable things happening. Here's vice president and president now split uh, over their interpretation of what uh, what kind of powers the vice president has to not certify an election. Now, I'll just say as an aside, before we get to the allegations that Trump made in Pennsylvania and other states, that thinking about this for a second, and I don't have a legal background to know exactly what is constitutional or not in that situation, whether Pence could be able to do that. But I will say, if he was able to do it, that would pretty set a pretty bad precedent. You know, that would be the next time around, let's say Biden and Kamala Harris, four years from now, they lose the election and Kamala Harris there in the Senate decides not to certify the Republican president and vice president who win the election. So it, it doesn't seem like that actually should be a, a legal way to overturn this election. It seemed like it would have to be done in the courts. Uh, and President Trump wasn't able to to gain any ground uh, in his court cases and their objections in the various states, even to the Supreme Court. They did it. But now I want to go into the sound, the rest of the soundbite where the president makes allegations. He, he, this was his day where he was going to lay out every single allegation of fraud and wrongdoing in the various states, the questionable states. And I'm just going to play the one example of Pennsylvania. Today, for the sake of our democracy, for the sake of our Constitution, and for the sake of our children, we lay out the case for the entire world to hear. Do you want to hear it? In every single swing state, local officials, state officials, almost all Democrats, 
made illegal and unconstitutional changes to election procedures without the mandated approvals by the state legislatures, that these changes paved the way for fraud on a scale never seen before. And I think we can go a long way outside of our country when I say that. So just in a nutshell, you can't make a change on voting for a federal election unless the state legislature approves it. No judge can do it. Nobody can do it. Only a legislature. So as an example in Pennsylvania or whatever, you have a Republican legislature, you have a Democrat mayor, and you have a lot of Democrats all over the place. They go to the legislature. The legislature laughs at them, says, we're not going to do that. They say, thank you very much. And they go and make the changes themselves. They do it anyway. And that's totally illegal. That's totally illegal. You can't do that. Let me just quickly interject here to say that this was a very big part of the allegations that the election should be overturned, that changes were made uh, in the various states about how people could vote because of COVID-19, you know, mail-in voting, absentee voting, signatures, all this kinds of things. There are so many early mail-in voting votes uh, put in during this particular election. I think it was like 70 million, half, almost half of all the votes uh, in this election were, were, were mail-in type votes. And so President Trump is, is saying here that if those changes are going to be made in a state, those can't be made by governors and mayors and so forth. They have to be passed through the legislature, and they weren't. And so he said right there first off that that's what makes this election fraudulent and needs to be recertified because it wasn't, it wasn't these election voting laws weren't changed in the legal way through the legislature. Let's continue. In Pennsylvania, the Democrat Secretary of State and the Democrat State Supreme Court justices illegally abolished the signature verification requirements just 11 days prior to the election. So think of what they did. No longer is there signature verification. Oh, that's okay. But no longer is there signature verification. 11 days before the election, they say, we don't want it. You know why they don't want to? Because they want to cheat. That's the only reason. Who would even think of that? We don't want to verify a signature. To jump in quickly again, this is another thing where uh, these mail-in ballots weren't required to have a, a matching signature. So you can just imagine, again, the, the room for fraud and that kind of thing to get ballots, to fill them out the way you want them, and then turn them in. Uh, with Biden's name on it. So that was another aspect of the of the allegations of voting fraud in Pennsylvania by the president. There were over 205,000 more ballots counted in Pennsylvania. Now think of this. You had 205,000 more ballots than you had voters. That means you had 200. Where did they come from? You know where they came from? Somebody's imagination, whatever they needed. So in Pennsylvania, you had 205,000 more votes than you had voters. And it's, the number is actually much greater than that now. That was as of a week ago. And this is a mathematical impossibility unless you want to say it's a total fraud. So Pennsylvania was defrauded. Now, again, I have no way of verifying whether that is true or not, but if it is true, 205,000 more ballots than there are actually voters in Pennsylvania. That would be 
widespread voter fraud. Again, I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't have access to inside information on it, but again, I'm playing this just so you have a point-by-point list of some of the allegations that the president and those supporting him, it wasn't just the president, by the way, this was conservative news outlets, especially like the Epoch Times, uh, was on this story constantly uh, with with news and commentary and, and what they said was evidence of all these levels of voter fraud. The president continued. Over 8,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were cast by people whose names and dates of birth match individuals who died in 2020 and prior to the election. Think of that. Dead people. Lots of dead people. Thousands. And some dead people actually requested an application. That bothers me a bit more. Not only are they voting, they want an application to vote. One of them was 29 years ago died. It's incredible. Over 14,000 ballots were cast by out-of-state voters. So these are voters that don't live in the state. And by the way, these numbers are what they call outcome determinative, meaning these numbers far surpass. I lost by a very little bit. These numbers are massive, massive. In other words, these numbers of fraudulent votes that are being alleged are more than enough to change the outcome of the election in Pennsylvania for Joe Biden rather than Donald Trump. More than 10,000 votes in Pennsylvania were illegally counted, even though they were received after Election Day. In other words, they were received after Election Day. Let's count them anyway. And what they did in many cases is they did fraud. They took the date and they moved it back so that it no longer is after Election Day. And more than 60,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were reported received back, they got back, before they were ever supposedly mailed out. In other words, you got the ballot back before you mailed it, which is also logically and logistically impossible, right? 25,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were requested by nursing home residents, all in a single giant batch not legal, indicating an enormous illegal ballot harvesting operation. You're not allowed to do it. It's against the law. The day before the election, the state of Pennsylvania reported the number of absentee ballots that had been sent out. Yet this number was suddenly and drastically increased by 400,000 people. It was increased. Nobody knows where it came from. By 400,000 ballots. One day after the election, it remains totally unexplained. They said, well, we can't uh, figure that. Now, that's many, many times what it would take to overthrow the state. Just that one element. 400,000 ballots appeared from nowhere right after the election. By the way, Pennsylvania has now seen all of this. They didn't know because it was so quick. They had a vote. They voted. But now they see all this stuff. It's all come to light. It doesn't happen that fast. And they want to recertify their votes. They want to recertify. But the only way that can happen is if Mike Pence agrees to send it back. Okay, I know that was a a long soundbite, but I think it's important to play that because you hear two different versions of the same incident. You'll hear from Democrats and the media, this was the fairest election in the history of the country. 
and there's nothing to see here, as we've been talking about in the program for weeks. And then you hear from President Trump and some of his supporters, just what he said there, that there was massive, widespread voting fraud in this particular election. The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton returns in just a moment. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. Now, here's David Wheaton. Now, our position, the, the Christian Worldview position on whether voting f- fraud took place, you know, we've really read both sides. We've looked into it. We don't have inside access to the evidence and so forth, so we're left to uh, you know, read who it is, consider who they are, where they're coming from. Of course, President Trump comes from the, the standpoint of uh, wanting to see himself be reelected and so forth, and so we understand that. I'll tell you who we don't believe, though. We definitely don't believe the Democrat Party and the media because they have had a history of lying all the time. Just think of the Russian collusion accusations that were made against this president for basically his entire term. And it all turned out to be completely made up and fake. And yet the media and the Democrat Party ran with this for years. It was a completely bought and paid for story about some collusion that Trump had with Russia. And so I certainly don't believe that side. And I don't believe what that side says, some of the prominent Democrats who were in leading up to this particular uh, certification day said things like our Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. She said, with all due respect to my Republican colleagues in the Senate who are doing this, going to object to the certification. It's like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and so forth, some of the senators. She says, can you please get a grip? Election officials across the country, including Republican governors, have certified these results. This is embarrassing. Well, of course they've certified the results. They got the votes and they, even if the votes are fraudulent, they weren't looking into that. So they got the votes and oh, Biden got more votes. Therefore, he's the winner of the state. Richard Blumenthal, another senator, said, this is pathetic. This pathetic opportunistic stunt is an attack on our democracy. It's un-American and unconscionable. Votes have been counted, recounted, certified, and all challenges totally discredited. Time to govern and get things done. As a pandemic and economic crisis ravage our nation, anti-democratic members of Congress seek to overthrow a lawful election. Have they no sense of decency or shame? Their legacy will be a vile and vitriolic self-serving stunt. And then finally, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
the congresswoman from New York. These senators are engaged in a selfish attempt, and just put President Trump's name in there as well, to shred our Constitution and dismantle our democracy. In doing so, they are also baselessly challenging. There, there's the word that's used over and over again with, with these allegations of voter fraud, baseless or uh, no evidence of challenging the same ballots, sending them to Congress. It is pathetic. And yet the precedent they are setting is incredibly dangerous. And finally, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. Uh, she is an anti-Semite. Hard to even believe she and someone like um, Ilhan Omar are representing us in Congress with their worldview, Marxist worldview, Islamic worldview. The states of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, those are all the battleground states, all conducted publicly accessible post-election audits that verified the November election. The election in each of these states has been have been certified. It's over. And so I really just gave you both sides of the issue there. Uh, the, the Democrats who say absolutely nothing wrong, fairest election, this is incredibly dangerous, the election's over, there was no fraud, versus Trump and his allies saying exactly the opposite thing. So who do you believe? Well, we know we don't believe the Democrat side because they just lied for three or four years, made up a story and the policies, the wicked policies they stand for would never allow me to associate truth with that particular side. But same rate, we don't automatically believe Donald Trump in conservative outlets either. I mean, they're, they're not beyond lying for their own personal gain and political power either. So in summary, we believe that it's actually quite likely, just looking at the reports that we have seen, we think it's quite likely there was widespread voter fraud that could have led to the overturning of this election. I think we actually think it's likely. But at the same rate, we don't know for sure. We don't have omniscience. We, we could be wrong. So we lean one way, uh, but we're also open-minded enough to, to realize that the truth may be somewhere in, in, in between, and there was just a regular amount of voting fraud that probably every single election had, but that wouldn't change the outcome of the election. We may never know. But I have a feeling if it was as widespread as people are saying it is, or at least Trump and his allies are saying it is, maybe more things will come out. And the U.S. uh, people of this country will have resolution on what actually happened, because as it stands right now, this is a very bad situation. Joe Biden apparently got 80 million votes, the most ever by a presidential candidate. To me, that's even hard to believe for hardly even campaigning. He got more, more votes than anyone in history in this past election. And you have, what, 74, 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. And so you may have nearly half the electorate who doesn't believe that Joe Biden is a legitimately elected president. That's very bad. Okay, let's move on from there, though, and get to what happened next after the speech by Donald Trump. He finished his speech by, again, pressuring Mike Pence to not certify the election and then urging the people listening there again, there were probably hundreds of thousands of people there that day to to march or walk to the Capitol to to pressure Congress to do the right thing. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. 
we will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. And to use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal. So we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going to the Capitol. And we're going to try and give... The Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything. Not even one vote. But we're going to try and give our Republicans, the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help, we're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is incredible. Thank you very much. Okay, that's how he ended his speech at this this rally on January 6th. And for that final comment there, let's march down and walk to the Capitol. He for what transpired next, we'll get into that in a second. Nancy Pelosi, because of what happened, has now called that he be removed from office for sedition. In other words, trying to to take over government because uh, some of the supporters that day breached capital security and got into the grounds of the Capitol. So it, it was hundreds of people, if not thousands, breached the Capitol. They got inside. They went into offices. They were posing for pictures in Nancy Pelosi's office. They tried to get into the, the House floor. Uh, it was mayhem inside the Capitol. And, and by the way, this was something that had never been done. This is something new. I heard one report talk about that the Capitol had never been breached. This is the, the seat of political power, the seat of our government, the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C., had not been breached since the War of 1812 when the British burned down the Capitol building. So this was just, as many of the press were saying, this is unprecedented. And frankly, there's something very wrong that the Capitol building didn't have enough security to not be breached. I mean, this is the seat of our government, after all. This should be probably the most secure building in the entire country. And a bunch of protesters can push their way through. Something very wrong with that picture. Now, I think it's important in these situations when something like this happens, not to jump to conclusions right away about about who did this or or lump everyone in together. I mean, this could have been Trump supporters, some of the more radical ones, uh, there have been some reports of Antifa, who knows, that got in, in, infiltrated and tried to whip things up and dresses Trump supporters. We, we don't know. But certainly it was hundreds and thousands of people and a very real possibility that a lot of them were just Trump supporters who got all excited and kind of broke through a very, very weak superior security, which is extremely surprising. This particular day, there were people wearing helmets and other types of more like they're being prepared to do something pretty radical. And we've all heard the phrase desperate times call for desperate measures. And I think that explains what took place that day. You know, people at that, those rallies, they believe what the president said, that this election was likely stolen. And they know 
what these socialist Marxists who are now taking power are going to do. They're going to be further lockdowns over the virus. They're going to be the, the U.S. is going to be in a, in a surrender relationship to uh, enemies like China. They're going to be pushing immorality on the country, the Equality Act. I'll get to a Robert Knight column in a little bit. Punishing free speech, restricting speech, as you see on social media taking place, church lockdowns, uh, lack of freedom of religion, and stacking the Supreme Court with more justices so they can turn it to the liberal side. They're going to give statehood to the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico so they can get four more senators, four more liberal senators, so they have a permanent majority. So these kinds of issues, people at these rallies supporting Trump have a sense, have a fear, have a desperation about what is about to take place to our country. And some of them went over the line and they they broke the security of the, the Capitol building and went in and did things that are illegal and they should be prosecuted for it. But in their mind, they were being lectured about rule of law yesterday by all the media and commentators and politicians on TV talking about it. They're thinking we need rule of law. But in their minds, they're thinking, well, what about the rule of law in the election? The rule of law wasn't followed in the election. Now we've just lost our voice. We don't have free and fair elections in America anymore. And so don't lecture me on the rule of law about, about barging into the Capitol when the rule of law is not actually followed in this country. So the people at the rallies were questioning the rule of law in the election. And like we've said previously leading up to now on the program, if you don't have free and fair elections, you don't have the United States of America anymore as a constitutional republic. You have a banana republic. You have an oligarchy, uh, which is a, a government ruled by a small group of influential, powerful people. People think they're voting, but it really the outcome is already predetermined based on the, the will of a small group of people. So half the country now ha- has a, a visceral feeling that everything is going to change in America. And I agree with them that the next two years, we are going to see more radical Marxist ideology, that worldview being imposed on this country, but even far more than the time of Barack Obama. I remember we all thought, boy, this is really radical. We're five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. What's going to happen? Well, he was able to implement Obamacare, basically universal government-run health care. And he was also able to change the definition of marriage, which changes the definition of a family. I mean, those are even just those two things were a major tipping point or a changing point, pivot point in this country. We're 12 years down the road from when he first came into office. Things are different now. Things are further along. And I mentioned the column by Robert Knight earlier in the program. He wrote a column this week uh, in anticipation of this, this January 6th certification of, of the vote. And he writes this. He said, if you think this COVID-tainted election was marred by millions of unsolicited mailed ballots, unconstitutional alteration of election laws by unelected uh, officials and judges and voting machine manipulation, well, we haven't seen anything yet. So he was talking about the, the allegations of voting fraud there. He says, say goodbye to voter ID laws for registration and voting. Say hello to dirty voter rolls, ballot harvesting, same-day voter registration, and automatic registration. So just the things you saw in this election, they're not going to crack down on it and try to be one vote per person. No. 
there is motivation to keep it as loose as possible so more fraud can be perpetrated. He goes on to say, in other words, the Biden-Harris-Pelosi-Schumer regime would move quickly to end any effective future opposition. They've already benefited from numerous judges not bothering to seriously examine massive evidence of vote fraud in the battleground states, including the bizarre election night cessation of vote counting with Mr. Trump way ahead in more than 1,000 witness affidavits alleging fraud. And this is something we didn't mention earlier today in the, in the program, that the fact that so many judges have been unwilling to even hear this case. So there's only really two two conclusions to make. Either they think that there's absolutely no evidence and it's not even worth taking the time to look into these things. These these allegations are specious or they just don't want to get in. They don't agree with it. They don't want Trump to be uh, on the election. They don't want to be the one that that entertains these things. So who knows? Judges are just people too. The Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. We, we, we heard rumors that John Roberts didn't want to take the case because he's afraid of, of violence. The Supreme Court chief justice the christian worldview with david wheaton returns in just a moment david wheaton here host of the christian worldview for over 15 years our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of christians and to proclaim the good news of jesus christ we pursue that mission on air through radio programs in person hosting events and online through audio video and print resources We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. Now, here's David Wheaton. Moving on with, with Robert Knight's column, he says, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris become president and vice president and democrats control both the house and senate they plan to enact the most radical agenda in u.s history one designed to end two-party politics and usher in a single party socialist government he goes on to say the equality act medicare for all the green new deal and other radical measures would criminalize christianity establish socialist health care and turn our economy over to globalist environmental extremists. On top of that, the Biden-Harris team says the U.S. border will essentially be reduced to a suggestion, inviting in millions more immigrants who can be turned into a permanent government dependency voting block. Last paragraph, Democrats have also promised to end the Electoral College. They wanted just a majority vote. That makes you have a permanent Democrat majority in this country, just like California. They want to pack or add members to the Supreme Court and create four more Democrat U.S. senators by granting statehood to Puerto Rico in the District of Columbia. That's Robert Knight's column for, for this week in anticipation of what took actually took place. So in summary, there's a big change ahead here in America. But as we look at it from a Christian worldview, what is about to take place or what has been taking place is actually fairly typical 
for the world across history. I was reading recently in the book of Acts about the Apostle Paul, and he was constantly being falsely accused uh, by both governing authorities or religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, as he traveled around to to spread the gospel and, and start churches. You can read anywhere in Acts about him being falsely accused. I, I pulled up one passage from Acts chapter uh, 21. Uh, in verse starting in verse 27, where it says, when the seven days were nearly over, I think of the fast, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple in Jerusalem, and they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian in the city with Paul, and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions, it says, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. And he at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, get rid of him. And this this sounds like something you could see in Washington, D.C. this past week with, with the way the world has always operated. There's false accusations. People are looking at the same activity back then, what Paul was doing, sharing the gospel. Was he, was he stirring up dissension? Was he calling for the overthrow of the government? No, of course not. But that's how the side that hated him saw it. They saw him as seditious or whatever it was that was trying to overturn Rome and everything else. So they make false accusations. They had one view of it. And of course, Paul had a completely different view of it, the truthful view of it. And so that's what we try to arrive at here at the Christian worldview when we analyze current events. What is the truth? How does actually God see these events? That's what I would love to know most in this whole story of the voting fraud what really is the truth on this whole thing? I know what side I lean to, but I really wish we knew the actual unfiltered truth. I hope it comes out because the truth is what we should always be for. And that's why it says in John chapter one, uh, when it talks about Christ, it says, this was the true light coming into the world who enlightens every person. He was in the world. Now, now look at the unjust treatment of the world toward Christ. And just compare that to the injustice that takes place in the world today. Let's just say for the example, potentially, the example of this particular presidential election, that that Christ was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, here's the gospel, to them Christ gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but are born of God. And all I can say to all that's taking place in the country is, if the perfect son of God came into this world, 
who had made the world, but the world didn't know him. They had a completely false perspective on him. He came to his own people, the Jewish people, and his, his own people did not accept him. They rejected him. They treated him unjustly. They crucified him. And so we expect in the much more minor issues of the day-to-day operations of government with fallen people on both sides, that we expect that somehow truth and justice are going to always be known and we'll be able to know it? I don't think so. I don't think we can expect any different thing today. We've had a different kind of America because the Christian worldview has been so influential in the, the forming and founding and development of this country. But as that goes away, you're going to get more into this sort of what is the truth on all these different issues that we're going to, we're going to face. Now, we know this. We know where we can find the truth. The truth spiritually is found in God's word. We may not be able to necessarily know all the truth when it comes to certain political issues or events or why the Capitol was breached and who these people are and how much fraud was there in the election and was it overturned. I hope we do get to that. But in our fallen world, it's hard to get to that kind of truth. And so on this year, as we start this year, I've been thinking just about a theme that we need to think about going forward in this year. And I think the theme for this year, 2021, needs to be for believers. This is a new year, and we need to prepare to stand firm. And that that phrase, stand firm, appears several times in the New Testament. And I think we need to not just stand firm, we need to prepare to stand firm. It doesn't happen by itself. There needs to be a like a training process where we we learn how to stand firm. And the great passage that I think is so relevant to this phrase of standing firm comes from Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, we can see those with a secular, liberal, leftist, Marxist worldview as being the enemies. Yeah, they may be the, the, visi- the visible representative of the real enemy, which is Satan and his demons who are trying to fight against and tear down all that is good and godly in this world. Therefore, it says in verse 13, Ephesians 6, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with uh, truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which with you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. One more paragraph, and we'll go maybe over this particular, what these things are in in coming weeks on the program. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and, and with every request for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that speech or utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And there's an exhortation in, if you're a believer, there's an exhortation in there for all of us that we need to 
prepare to stand firm. We need to take these defensive and offensive weapons that God has given us so that we're ready for whatever comes our way this year. Because I have a feeling that, uh, I have more than a feeling. I have a strong sense, a burning inside of me that this is going to be an all-out assault on everything traditional America, everything Christian America this coming year. Now, I don't think most churches are going to be able to provide the kind of spiritual nourishment that is going to be necessary for what lies ahead this year. Truth is very hard to find, as we've been discovering the last year with regard to the virus and the the social unrest, the allegations of systemic racism in this country, and then the election, was it fraudulent, and, and everything that's taking place, what happened with the Capitol. Truth is very hard to find in the political news of our day because people right look at the same thing and have completely different perspectives on it. But we do know, again, that real truth, spiritual truth is found in God's Word. So we need to be reading and studying God's Word every single day. We need to be reminded on a daily basis what the truth of God's Word is, looking to Him as the, the source of truth uh, and encouragement. We also need to be listening to sermons, but not just sermons of anyone. We need to be listening to sermons of the most sound, biblically sound pastors. And I know I've mentioned John MacArthur a lot on this program, and I would start with him. Now, there are other ones besides him, but I would start with him because he's someone over his entire preaching ministry of 51 years that's proven that he's willing to stand strong and preach the full counsel of God. Number three, we need to be discipling our families. It's not good enough just to take it in ourselves. We need to be discipling those in our own spheres of influence. We also need to be skilled about sharing the gospel. I heard a message just recently about know how to share the gospel in your own personal testimony. Paul did this over and over again when he'd talk about his own story. He would share the gospel, proclaim the gospel. Uh, in that story. That impacts other people. That's that's what's going to change our society is when more people repent and believe in the gospel. Very difficult to change people to politically. People are wedded to the, the, the false political narratives or perspectives that they've had for their entire life or their families had. But when the gospel comes in someone's life, then all of a sudden they begin to develop a biblical uh, worldview on the issues of our day. And ultimately, it's not really about saving America. As much as we'd like to see this country do well and be honoring to God, we really want that and we pray for that. But ultimately, the most important thing to save is not so much America, which we want, but we want to save people's souls. We want to be used by God to save people's souls. Another thing we need to be doing, we need to be praying constantly. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Pray that our leaders would rule according to God's word. They would punish evil and praise good. That's what they're supposed to do. Uh, pray that the, the wick, those that are wicked and their plans would be thwarted, and that they would be judged if they go against that, and that people would be so convicted if they're trying to push ungodly policies on this country. And we also need to give thanks for all of what we still have in this country. We still have lots of freedoms in this country, and so we need to use those and be thankful for them to continue to be ambassadors for Christ. And finally, we need to trust God. Because he will be able to get us through anything that we're going to face in this country. There may be some dark days ahead. We don't know what's before us. We don't know when the return of Christ is going to be. We don't know all of this. We just know that each day 
God gives us the grace, the supernatural ability to do his will. And so we need to trust him, believe him, rely on him, set our eyes on him each and every day as we see the situations develop around us, because he will give us the grace to get through anything we face. That doesn't mean we're going to always have easy sailing and it's going to be a bed of roses. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that even if it's hard, God gives us the supernatural ability to get through it. So stand firm in the Lord this year. We have a lot uh, we plan to get to this year. We appreciate your listening to the program. And by God's grace, we'll continue to try to ourselves think biblically and live accordingly and uh, communicate that truth to others as well. So thank you for joining us today on the Christian Worldview radio program. You know, we do live in a changing and challenging world. To start off 2021, we are advancing down a even more changing and challenging world. But there is one thing, Christian, we can always hope in and rely on. Jesus Christ and his word, they are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program or to sign up for our free weekly email or to find out what must I do to be saved, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported ministry and furnished by the Overcomer Foundation, a nonprofit organization. You can find out more, order resources, make a donation, become a monthly partner, and contact us by visiting thechristianworldview.org, calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.